Good morning, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad unto it. I was glad when it said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. Thank you for joining us one more time this morning to worship. As we prepare to uh, worship our Lord and God, uh, we let us take a moment of time to pray and surrender to our God and just trust in him uh, as we pray for not only one another, but for our community and for God's guidance and his leadership. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for this one more day in your presence. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us just to know you and the and the privilege of knowing your grace and your mercy. Father, we open up our hearts today to receive a word from you. We ask you also to comfort our brothers and sisters, Lord, from grief and bereavement and loss. Uh, bless those, Lord, who are recovering from surgeries and procedures, oh God. And Father, Lord, we ask you to just continue to bless uh, this community, this country. May we have healing. May we know reconciliation. Uh, may we be the change we desire to see by allowing you to continue to work in us and through us until the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us this morning. As we continue on walking through uh, the letter of Philippians uh, in the New Testament, a uh, uh, prison epistle written by Paul, we're now uh, in the third chapter, getting closer to completing uh, our moment of study and reflection and meditation of this text. We're now in the chapter of 13 chapter towards the latter part, looking at the verses 12 to uh, 16. We're going to lift up this morning and for our time of reflection and study and looking at how we are going to live with purpose. Uh, so the subject matter I gave is living with purpose. And so we're going to talk about the purpose that God gives us, uh, the purpose that motivates us and how we should use this to motivate us and guide us to fulfill the purpose uh, that God has given us. And so looking at this text, um, we want to understand, you know, what a purpose is. And 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 one thing about a purpose is it's that it says a reason someone or something is done or for which someone exists. And think about the purpose, why you exist and why you are here. Uh, think about how God loves us and he created us with a purpose. We were not created by accident. And so each one has a purpose, has a design has a, a mode that they were created for to do great work uh, for the kingdom of God. And so when we see this, that God has given each of us a unique and specific purpose, but also we all have a general uh, purpose that's, that helps us in that process uniquely and differently. God the Father sent God the Son to die on the cross for our, for our sins, for the sin of the world, to redeem us so that we might become one with him and know eternal life and spend eternity with him. And so God's purpose for us to know him and to have eternal life was demonstrated in the life of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we know this when we quote John 3, 16, one of the most well-quoted, memorized verses in all of the world for a new living translation says this, that for this is how God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent in verse 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world uh, through him. And so in this identity of finding our, our identity in the uh, persons of Christ, that he came to die for us, gives us purpose. And know that God loved us and 
purposefully sent his son to die on the cross for the sin of the world so that we might have eternity and we might have life with him is another beautiful way to identify our purpose, to know that God loves us and desires to spend eternity with us, uh, that he wants us to know him and, and change our ways to repent of our sin and confess and turn and live for God. This is what he's asking for us. And so as we are thinking out our purpose, let's look at, first of all, the purpose that God has given us. He's given us one purpose that we ought to live to glorify him and to magnify him. And how oftentimes a, a person or a thing finds its greatest gratification or its greatest joy when it's fulfilling um, its purpose. Uh, to know why I exist, to know why I live gives me satisfaction. And uh, to know that we are loved by God, we are cherished by God. He provides for us. He cares for us. He watches over us. And then he promised a home for us over in glory. Paul is pointing this out to the church because he's pointing out that at one moment in his life, as many of us can kind of maybe agree on, reflect on that, we had different motivations. We had different purpose in our life before we came to know Christ, right? Uh, when I was living for myself, I did selfless things. I did things for myself that benefited me and that were for me. But Paul is pointing out that now that I've come to know Christ, it's changed my purpose. It's changed my identity. It's changed my motivation. It changed the reason why I live. This great purpose has changed him. And he mentions this in kind of in the Philippians third chapter, verse seven, New Living Translation says it this way. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He's referencing his on his way to the road or to Damascus where he was persecuting uh, the church he had one goal in mind. He thought he was doing it right. And yet Christ calls him out and says, why are you kicking against my pricks? Why are you persecuting me, uh, the church? And so once Paul got a, got awakened and Christ got a hold of him, grabbed him, possessed him, it changed Paul's purpose and it changed the direction of his life. Think about the moment that it came to you that when you met Jesus, that you had that come to Jesus moment. You had that awakening moment that the way I am living my life is not bringing me the joy that I'm searching for. But when I found Jesus and, and he changed it around from me, it might have been that dark night. It might have been a revival time. It might have been just sitting in the pew during worship and you had that feeling in your heart and realized that this is the day. I'm going to turn it over to you, Jesus, and trust you with my life. That's the day that Paul is, re is referencing here, that he realized that everything else he had to this moment was worthless, and he'd rather know Christ and to know him, the power of his death and his resurrection, to know, to serve him, to live for him, and the call to holiness is what he's looking at here. And so Paul's life changed when he accepted the call of God. God is calling you the same way to a higher calling in your life. Be mindful that the road of the righteous, the road that God is calling you on is narrow and is not going to be an easy road. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus gives us these instructions, says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. 
the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. God is looking for those who are searching and seeking to worship him and honor him. And he will lead you down the path of righteousness. He will lead you to bring glory and holiness to his name. And so accepting this call of God, living a Christian life, being disciples, devoted followers of Christ, committed to holiness and godliness, Jesus will show you how to work this out and he will partner you, hallelujah, with the Holy Spirit so that we might be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. These are the challenges in this world with darkness all around. Role models, we are called to show what it looks like to follow after Christ. Everyone is looking for some kind of guidance and directions and signage, and we are the road signs on the road to Jesus. And when people are passing by us, they should be able to look at us and get directions of how to get to Jesus. So I, I, I know you understand how you need signs to get to where you want to go. And sometimes people might have changed the decision, uh, the change, the the uh, destination, right? And you see the orange signs of detour or lane close, and you have to reroute. And sometimes in our lives that we might have to help somebody out that they are on a wrong road and we need to be an orange sign and give them a sign of detour and say you are headed this direction, but we want to reroute you and get you on the right path that you might have fellowship and community and communion in the body of Christ and with Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one can come to the Father except through him. And so when we understand this, that the goal and the purpose of unity, the goal and the purpose of, of having a right relationship with God, the goal and the purpose of serving him until the day we die, helps elevate us and motivate us to a higher purpose, a higher calling that's in Christ Jesus. And so this is what Paul is pointing out to them about when this purpose and what he's living for and what he's aiming for. And so this goal is our this goal is purpose and for us to be present with the Lord, to be one with him. Paul is calling the church in Philippi to this as he is calling us today to respond to this call and to this great purpose of being one in Christ. And so looking at this, let's see how we further expounds upon this purpose and this goal of unity in the body of Christ through Christ, looking at verses 12 through 16. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. And so Paul is pointing out. 
that he wants us to press towards the goal. And basically, well, it's this, this word that we have in there, to press, is basically to be decisive, to be in pursuit of God and his holy righteousness of Jesus, to basically have no discernment, no other discernment of trying to go after anything else, but yet your one mind is made up to specifically seek after decisively of searching and knowing Christ and knowing him as our Lord and Savior. And doing this, this means that uh, my desire is to be in heaven, and, and we are, what, heavenly citizens. We are a royal priesthood, so we still walk and operate and live as we are already present in his presence. And here's the, what Paul is pointing out that he says that I have not already achieved it, but yet he understands that I can walk as if I have it, but thank God I'm, I am where I am now, and I'm not where I used to be. And this is the point he wants to make out to us, that don't get caught up that I'm not perfect. Don't get caught up that I, I might mess up. But get caught up in this, that God's grace, his mercy, is allowing us to confess and to repent and turn it around so that we can walk in obedience according to his will. So Paul is pointing out this perfection he's mentioning is not that someone's without fault, but one who is growing in spiritual maturity, that each day I'm growing, I'm maturing, I'm learning, I'm better, I'm wiser than I was in the past. And and this is how we ought to continue to grow. And that's why we have to feed our soul through Sunday school, through Bible study, to continuously seeking after him. And that's why he said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved it. These things are that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. So Paul is pointing out that when Christ grabbed a hold of me, when Christ changed my life, and real, and I realized the purpose that he has given me and how he formed me and shaped me to do, that is what I am after. I am after what he has called me to do. And he's pointing out that in our lives, we might too, just like Paul, might be headed down the wrong path, the wrong direction. But yet, thank God that we can respond to his call and we can turn from that direction and head in the right direction he is calling us to be in. And so we need to earnestly seek after what God called us to do. What Paul is speaking of is this maturity that we need to seek after, that we all desire to honor God with our lives, how we conduct ourselves, how we speak, how we are in, in other people's presence, that we are reflecting the light of Christ. Paul knows that Christ has laid hold of him and called him to this great ministry, has called him to be evangelized, called him to be in prison. He understands the hardships and the pain that's coming him is all part of his purpose. And so that's why he can have joy in the midst of pain and suffering, knowing that God is calling him to greater things. And so Paul knows that Christ has called him to salvation and to live a life of holiness. And Paul has not laid hold of all of it, but he's seeking all of it because he knows that he won't get all of it. He won't hold, possess all of it until Christ comes up. So he's going to press to the end. He's going to run after. He's going to pursue. 
In Romans 14, 19, Paul writes in another letter, he says this. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up, pursuing again unity and harmony in the body of Christ. He echoes this in another letter. First Corinthians 14 and 1 says, let love be your highest goal. But should also you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives, especially ability uh, to prophesy. He's pointing out again the highest goal, pursue after love. And so if there's any love, right, in chapter two, right, if there's any love, there's any fellowship, there's any consolation in this unity in this body of Christ, right, make my joy complete. So fulfilling this purpose is seeking after this prize of unity within the church, holiness and love. We should be ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation, promoting and preaching unity. And this prize that God has for us, we will receive at the end, at the end of life, at the end of our earthly journey, at the end when it all is said and done. We will understand the power of the resurrection when we see our, our new bodies being created. Hallelujah. In a twinkling of an eye. And so Paul knows this joy. And he wants us to know the same joy and remember that same joy of our salvation. And so that when Christ will come back again, we still have this possession. And so this road that he was on to Damascus, when he got possessed by Christ, changed his direction and caused him to grow, caused him to mature. It caused him to change his ways. It caused him to Seek after things that were different than the things he was seeking after before. How Christ can get a hold of us and change us. It will change our focus with verse 13 highlights. It says, says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. And this is what he gets into. Forgetting the past and looking forward what lies ahead. Paul is trying to humbly point out that I have to forget my past to hold on to what is ahead. And so when we look at that, I want to try to illustrate to us about he, he's basically using a terminology of racing. And the church in Philippi is familiar with um, the Olympic Games and other games of running. And so basically in running, Paul is basically saying that I, I cannot make it to the finish line in a great fashion, in a speedy fashion, in an excellent fashion, if I'm constantly looking back. Uh, you understand that where you turn your head, oftentimes your body will go. And so if you're running straight, if you're looking back, you're turning your body and it's going to veer off the path. And Paul is pointing out that I'm not going to look back any longer. But I'm going to stay focused on the prize that's ahead of me. What Paul is saying is in forgetting is not saying that I forgot everything that I have done, but I'm not going to hold on to what I had in the past because I will let go of that so that I may take hold of what's in my future. And, and it's sort of like climbing up a ladder. If I can use this illustration, right? You have to grab the rung in front of you. And as you lift yourself up, you have to let go of the other one. Forget that one to grab what's ahead of you just to 
pull yourself up. And so the same situation in running, as you're placing one foot in front, you forgot the path that it was behind to place it on a firmer foundation that is ahead, that is getting you closer to your destination. Paul is pointing out to us that we need to move in such a way that we don't hold on to the things that's going to weigh us down, that's going to limit us, that's going to stop our growth, that's going to stop us progressing and reaching the achievement that Christ has for us. But what we must learn is to let it go and press on towards the mark of the higher calling that is in Christ Jesus. That's why we got to have heaven in our view, knowing that he will reward us when it's all said and done. That's why we have to run with endurance. We have to pursue with great perseverance. We have to be decisive in our actions and our movement to say, I will trust in the Lord. And since we trust in him and we depend on him, we know that he is the way and the only way. And so we must continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is our prize. He is our goal. So let us look to what is ahead and let go of the things that will hinder us. And so what is hindering you? What is limiting you from reaching your purpose, uh, your goal? Whatever purpose or goals you set out, right, you have to make sure you make yourself and prepare yourself to be as successful as possible. Uh, Whether it's a physical fitness whether it's a job application, whether it's your education, um, whether it's raising your family, you have to look to say, how can I achieve this goal and what needs to be removed? What will hinder me from reaching this goal? And in the same situation in life, God will enlighten us through the Holy Spirit to see those things that will come against us. And thank you, God, that those things, that some things that are unseen that we cannot we cannot foresee or foretell. We thank God that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. That with God, all things are possible. And so we can just stand in his power and in his might, knowing the enemy has to flee. That's to enable us to trust him and stay faithful that regardless of where hardships may come, I can trust God that he can help remove these obstacles and, and turn some of these stumbling blocks to be my my footstool just to raise me higher to get me closer to where I want to be, to be in his presence, to worship him, to honor him. And this singular purpose, this one focus, this one purpose of knowing him and being with him will line up with my quality of life. I make it my characteristic or habit to be holy, to be God. Spirit. Because my purpose is to be with him. And to be with him, I want to be like him. And to be like him, I must. To his amazing love. The purpose is to focus on the one thing that we should desire. To remove and let go of those things that have hold on to us and limited us and reach to what is ahead. And I'm going to say it again, that if you have something already in your hands and it's already full, you can't get what is new. So let go. Reach toward God. 
and let him give you all that he has for you.